everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and company on this Tuesday, June the 28th edition. Man, the month has flown by. The summer is up and rolling. Fourth of July weekend is just a few days away. Welcome to the show. We got a good one for you today. Two guests, both on the back end of the show. Final hour of today's show. Jim Gozzolo. Our good friend from the Lake Charles American Press will be joining us at 8.02 today. Some shakeup involving the Southland Conference. Teams deciding not to leave after all, deciding to return. And could the Southland expand yet again in the next few months? We'll get the latest about the Southland Conference and the McNeese Cowboys when Jim Gazzolo joins us at 8 o'clock. At 8.30... Ali Cassell will hop on board with us, give us his thoughts on the NBA draft, how the Pelicans did, what are going to be their big decisions now with free agency looming, not to mention get his thoughts as the movement we've already seen early on with the NBA, including Kyrie Irving deciding to opt in. I would too if there's $40 million on the table. And John Wall. A name, a formerly good player who's been banged up announcing he intends to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. So those are our two guests, Jim Gozzolo, Ali Cassell, both in the 8 o'clock hour, which means plenty of time to get your phone calls today. Hotline's always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Let's talk baseball interesting comments coming out yesterday concerning the man who's going to be the new the new pitching coach for the LSU Tigers Wes Johnson has experience at the collegiate level we broke that down for you yesterday he formerly was on the staff at Mississippi State when they won the SEC regular season title a few years back and then also helped lead Arkansas to the College World Series Championship Series, where they ended up finishing as national runner-up. Last three and a half years, if you will, he's been the pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins, helping them win a division title. And as of right now, the Minnesota Twins are in first place in the American League Central. So he's leaving a job that pays well, leaving a job where he's founding, he's found success, and he's doing so in the middle of a season. That's the part of this I don't really understand. He's leaving in in the middle of the season. I get why, because he has to help out with recruiting and putting together the pitching staff, and there's the NCAA transfer portal and LSU with – Jay Johnson have been very active, right? They've gotten the shortstop second baseman out of Baylor, the first baseman 
the slugger out of NC State, and they got a pitcher out of Vandy. Plus, they got the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. That's if all those guys actually sign on the dotted line. The Major League Baseball amateur draft will play a role in that. So, I get it. Got to start recruiting. Got to start game planning. But, I mean, he's not even staying with the team through the All-Star break. It's a little crazy to me. But a big hire, a great hire, if you will, for Jay Johnson, big splash hire to get someone who not only has experience winning championships and making long runs in the postseason in college, but also someone who's had success at the major league level. And he spoke yesterday ahead of the Twins game against the Cleveland Guardians there at Progressive Field about leaving the Twins to return to college, his college coaching roots, taking over as LSU's pitching coach. He said the decision took an emotional toll on him. Quote, very tough. I don't know if I've slept a lot in the last week. Very, very, very tough. This is the toughest thing I've ever done. Johnson's move comes as the American League Central leading Twins opened up a five-game series against the second-place Guardians. Johnson will fulfill his duties as Minnesota's pitching coach through this series, which will conclude on Thursday. Sonny Gray pitched seven innings in Monday's opener, a lopsided 11-1 win for the Twins. Then turned emotional postgame when talking about Johnson's departure. Quote, it's a tough one, said the right-hander. It's someone who I became really close with, and I think, if you know me at all, letting people in and getting into relationships in that respect, I put my guard up a lot. I was mad at him a lot today. I was happy for him a lot today. I used every emotion and kind of everything that was going through, I kind of used it to pour into the game. That's where the timing comes in here. You typically a do not see a college program go poach a pitching coach from the big leagues. Second, you don't see that occur during the actual season. And on top of it, the Twins are having a good season. So speculation ran rampant on this that it had to do with financial right that he wouldn't leave a job in the big leagues where he's had success where he's getting paid handsomely to help a team be in first place in their division this wouldn't happen well apparently Not a ton difference here on the amount of money. Because Cokie Riley, who covers LSU for the Daily Advertiser and Gannett, Louisiana, reported on this yesterday. 
He signed a three-year contract worth $380,000 per season with LSU. So that's, you know, obviously that's a good chunk of change, right? That's more than a quarter of a million dollars per year. He's going to make just short, well, let's tabulate it. That's that's a million dollar contract. That's he's going to make more than a million dollars if he stays at LSU for the three seasons. Three hundred and eighty thousand dollars per year. Even I, the big bald and beautiful one, can do the math on that. That's more than a million dollars over the course of the three year contract. The three hundred and eighty thousand dollars does not include postseason incentives. So if the Tigers win the SEC tournament, he'll get a bonus. If the Tigers win a regional, he'll get a bonus, a super bonus, College World Series bonus. You see where I'm driving at here. So they're ponying up the dough here for this pitching coach. The Athletic reported that... He was making $400,000 this year for the Twins. So, to put this in perspective, (laughs) he's leaving a Major League Baseball job making more money per year annually before incentives to come be the pitching coach at LSU. So this tells me everything that I need to know. Because this tells me as much as he's enjoyed being in the show, which most baseball players, former baseball players or coaches want to be in, he wants a head coaching job in college. This this is the only reason why you make this move. Yes, LSU is a great program. Make no bones about it. The likelihood of Wes Johnson completing his three-year contract, I give it 50%. He had success once again at Mississippi State. Helped them win a regular season championship. He was on staff for Arkansas as they made a run all the way into the championship round of the College World Series. His roots in coaching are in college, not to mention before then he was a coach at Dallas Baptist University, which is a perennial baseball power. Wes Johnson wants to be a head coach of a big-time program in college. This is why you make this move. You're taking annually less money. Now, yes, he can get incentives, but if he can come to LSU and fix their pitching problems and help LSU get to a Super Regional or help LSU get to a College World Series and be part of Jay Johnson's staff that's able to accomplish that, there are going to be jobs thrown at his feet. Like he's a conquering hero, a gladiator stepping into the ring. They will just be thrown at him. His background in college, his success in college, in particular in the SEC, On top of it, he'll have those three-plus years as a pitching coach in the big leagues, which is going to help with recruiting, which is going to help with building a roster. If he has any success whatsoever, let's say Jay Johnson's hire is the polar opposite of 
the late hires of former football coach Ed Orgeron, where they're actually work out, they're actually competent hires. Wes Johnson ain't is not going to be uh, finishing his contract, his three-year deal. Someone will come and throw money at him to take over their program. This is why he's doing this. Now that we get the particulars, and he's emotional about it, I get it, I understand that, but he's taking less money annually before incentives to come to LSU. That is done on purpose so he can come to LSU, help turn around their pitching woes, and get himself a head coaching job at a major college. That's why he's doing this. We got to take a timeout. We'll talk more baseball when we come back. The brawl over the weekend ended up having consequences for April's World Series champions and the fighting MVPs. We'll talk about it next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball. They just wrapped up an epic four-game series against the Pinstripers, the New York Yankees, as both teams were able to split that series. And look, you can see the Strohs live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. Once again, four tickets, Strohs, Mariners, Saturday, July 30th, tour of the park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Speaking of those Mariners, as I like to lovingly refer to them as April champions, we didn't get a chance to get to this because of such a jam-packed show yesterday. But they got in some fisticuffs over the weekend. April's champions brawled with the fighting MVPs. Neither are in the playoff hunt. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I've watched this video numerous times, which is just amazing, by the way. It's in the second inning, and they're having a brawl. Uh, the second inning of a scoreless game between two teams struggling to be relevant. We had sunflower seeds thrown onto the field. I mean, that right there, look, if you're going to have a brawl, that's one thing. You want to go doing the classic, hold me back, bro, which 
athletes love to do because no athlete really likes throwing haymakers out there. It's more of running, puffing up your chest, and doing the hold me back bro, which is, you know, my favorite thing to do in professional sports. <laughs> that just But this was a actual brawl. Things got a little nutty. A little nutty. You even had people that are out the rest of the season for undergoing wrist surgery. Talking to you, Anthony Randone, who has stole money from the Angels for the last three years on that horrible contract that he's on. He even got suspended. Here's the tale of the tape from the brawl between the Mariners and the Angels over the weekend. Major League Baseball suspends 12 players and coaches for their roles in the brawl. Phil Nevin, this is how bad things are for the Angels. They fired Joe Madden, their skipper, after that historic franchise record losing streak. And their interim skipper, Phil Nevin, has now been suspended 10 games for getting involved in a brawl like this is what oh this is what this team is man got two generational talents oh the two best players in baseball look at all those mvps and they got interim managers being suspended 10 games for brawls so nevin gets suspended 10 games seattle mariners outfielder jesse winker received a seven game ban for major league baseball for their roles in the benches curling brawl during the second inning of a scoreless game on Sunday. Mariners shortstop J.P. Crawford received five games. Angels pitchers Ryan Tapera and Andrew Wants were suspended for three. Mariners outfielder Julio Rodriguez, Angels reliever Razel Iglesias, and Major League interpreter. My favorite part of the story is the interpreter Gets two game suspension for being part of the brawl. <laughs> Manny Del Campo, shout out to you. Not only is my man an interpreter, he's like, we throwing down, let's go. It's time to rumble, let's do it. I'm just saying they did start it. They threw and hit at Upton. In our last series against them, because we've played against them twice in two weeks. They hit Upton. We barely missed Trout's head. Didn't hit him at all. So then the next day they decided they wanted to hit three of our players. These are the unwritten rules of baseball, which are silly and borderline stupid. Yes. But now, but do you feel better <laughs> now that you have several key players suspended? No. While you're trying to get yourself out. Of being below 500? No. There we go. Probably why we lost to the stupid Orioles. <laughs> the only reason that one got that guy. What, what do the Orioles have to do with anything? Because <laughs> they suck, and then now we just lost to them last night. But Wh Which means your team sucks, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Our best outfielder's out. Two of them. Um, but the only reason that the guy that threw the sunflower seeds onto the field was because he got ejected and he was constant in the whole like you know five minute brawl they had 
was continuously telling everyone to let's back up, let's go back to our dugout. So he kept yelling at everybody to back up and like break up. Then he got ejected. So he decided to say, you know, his words to the umpires by throwing sunflower seeds on the field. I don't know why the sunflower seeds, but he decided to do that and destroy his own dugout. Yes, Nevin got more of a suspension because Angels starting pitcher wants intentionally throw at Winker, right? While warnings were in place for both teams. So both teams were already warned, and then he still had his pitcher intentionally throw at the hitter. So that's why he got more. Because they said, don't do that. And then he instructed his pitcher, in fact, to do that. Once again, Kevin has talked about Nevin being what we like to call bonkers crazy. There's legendary stories when he was a player about things that he's done or did as a player, like tearing up a clubhouse and doing some other things. So he's not necessarily, he has a reputation of not necessarily being the most stable individual. And this is your interim manager, the fighting MVPs, have this guy who's now suspended for 12 games. Yeah. You can even there's even footage of like post brawl, like before they, they get back to their dugout, where Winker's literally asking once, "Why did you hit me?" And he's like, well, "They told me to." He literally kept asking him, "Why did you hit me? You had to hit me. You had." He literally kept asking him like six, seven times. He's like they told me to. Doesn't mean you gotta do it. Couldn't believe he didn't hit Trout. Let's he also y'all's best player against us. So, duh. Let's we don't like him. Let's look at the standings and see how being involved in a brawl over the weekend is really going to Nothing. affect the the, the pennant chase for both the April champions and the fighting MVPs. Let's see here. Let me let me let me pull this up here. The latest, most up to date standings. Let's see. The Mariners are 34 and 41, a full 12 and a half games back of the Astros. The Angels are 36 and 40, 11 games behind the Astros. Both teams are below 500. When you're below 500 and you have lofty expectations, because on one side, people believe that you have young talent that's finally to break through. And on the other side, you have two MVPs and two generational talents. And yet, you both suck. I guess you wrap up the month of June getting involved in a brawl. I mean, why not? Shout out to the Mariners. Shout out to the Angels. They're staying relevant that way. That's one thing. (laughs) Good for them. We got to take a timeout. (laughs) Just saying. So stupid. So dumb, so dumb, so dumb. Oh, this is why they're the Mariners and the Angels, by the way. It's this kind of just idiot behavior. When we get done with our timeout, we're going to switch gears from baseball to Arch Manning and the ramifications, if you will, of him deciding to commit to Texas. We saw a star out of Louisiana also sign with Texas in the last couple days. A bunch of offensive linemen commitments have decided to stay and sign with Texas. Can Arch Manning's commitment to the Longhorns change their fortunes moving forward? Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is...
This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time for an epic night of fights. UFC 276 is here, and two titles are on the line. Getting in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's a victory by KO, submission, or decision, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings same-game parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place the same-game parlay, and if it hits, you'll win double. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code 1037 game this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Availability does vary by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on James, who's been patiently waiting. James, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Hey, Mr. RP3. I wanted to chime in on Wes Johnson and a tiny bit of football, if you don't mind, and get your opinion on it. But but first off, the only thing with that with that brawl, you know there's a lot of choice language being used out there, and I just want to know what language the interpreter was using. <laughs> Well, he's an interpreter, so maybe he's he he was using curse words in both languages, my friend. There, there you go, there you go. But but on Wes Johnson, this this is coming from a guy who quit a job making about a hundred k plus back in the nineties to come home for less than half that and sleep in his own bed. Major League Baseball with the Twins, a month and a half down in Florida for spring training, one hundred sixty-two games, half of those away. LSU schedule, I agree with everything else you said before, but LSU schedule last year, 35 home games, 20 away, and seven neutral sites. So I think there's a lot to be said for the workload and sleeping in your own bed at night, and he's a Southern boy. So I'm glad we got him, however it worked out, but I think that's a big piece of it too. Appreciate the phone call, James. Hey, you got oh, go ahead. You got, football? You got... I got a question. Yeah, go ahead, bud. Rob Snyder. I know this hits close to home with you, but it's a shame when Congress has got to step in and do something, and our commissioner that will hammer a football player for jaywalking won't do anything about it. At this point, I'd trade Goodell for uh, Manford. I'm going to hit on that as well. James, appreciate the phone call, brother. Thank you. All right, so I want to touch on what James had to say. He's right. Major League Baseball regular season is 162 games. Half of those are away, not to mention spring training. And if you get to the postseason, then you're it's extended. So it is a grind. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Big difference coming to college. He mentioned that he's kind of close to home. I do believe Wes Johnson grew up in Arkansas. So being back down south is going to feel more familiar to him. But yeah, the grind of being in the show can take a toll. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And being closer to home, being able to sleep in your own bed, probably plays a role in this as well. 
And I do think he wants to be a college coach, a big-time college coach. And look, a couple of the guys on staff this year are head coaches, and LSU didn't have a great season. They had a good season, and they still were able to get head coaching jobs. So that's part of it as well. Daniel Snyder, it is interesting to me that nothing has been done. This tells me that Goodell would rather protect a degenerate, rule-breaker, shysty character with no morals and no integrity in Daniel Snyder because he's one of the owners. That's the only reason. If he was a coach, he'd be out of the league. If he was a player, he'd be suspended. James is exactly correct. Foot calls Goodell the criminal commissioner. How is Daniel Snyder still allowed to own the Washington football team? Slash Redskins slash Commanders. Over and over and over and over again, how they treat fans, how he treats the stadium, how he treats his female employees, lying, doing all this other things that would get you a suspension in a heartbeat, yet Daniel Snyder is allowed. People jokingly say that Daniel Snyder must have dirt on Goodell and some of the other owners. Because why would you let this guy who's a cancer still remain in your league? There's no good reason behind it. The only reason that there is that I can think of is that if you decide to oust Snyder, what's he going, who's he going to pull down with him? Because if you think the behavior that we've been finding out concerning Snyder and the Washington football team slash Redskins slash commanders is something that just happens in the nation's capital, you're fooling yourself. That type of chauvinistic behavior, harassments, even going further than harassment, lying, cheating, all that type of stuff, I guarantee you a reason why a lot of the other owners are not pushing to get rid of Daniel Snyder is because They know once that happens, you open up a Pandora's box and then their skeletons in their closets are going to get exposed. That's why you haven't seen them make a big push for that. That's why Congress is having to step in, which is ridiculous in its own right. Let's talk Arch Manning. Isidore Newman, star quarterback, five-star, one of the nation's top prospects. Of course, last week decided to commit verbally nothing's written down on paper but he decided to commit to play for the Texas Longhorns and we've quickly seen a ripple effect from that Texas now is cracked the top five by most recruiting services for the 2023 class And not just because of Arch, but he's playing a big role in this. They saw a whopping five commitments join the mix on June 26 alone. June 26, today's the 28th, which means they saw five guys commit to them on Sunday. On a Sunday. Arch committed last week. Do you believe that was, what, Tuesday or Wednesday he made the commitment? 
couple days before the start of the Manning Passing Academy. So Archie's grandson, Cooper's boy, Eli and Peyton's nephew. And we've had callers and we've had guests on this show and on this station debate whether or not Arch Manning is a generational talent, whether or not he's the type of quarterback that can turn around your fortunes. Some would argue that he's not even the best quarterback in his own class or even on the own state. But you can't deny what having him verbally commit to Texas has done in less than a week. They now have cracked the top five for the 2023 recruiting cycle. They got five commitments to join the mix on June 26th. Texas has also landed seven commitments dating back to June 23rd when Sark added the elite five-star Isidore Newman quarterback Arch Manning. So Arch was the first domino to drop, to fall. And they've added six more top flight commitments in less than a week. In the month of June, mind you. You can have a debate about Arch Manning. You can have a debate on whether or not he's legit. If you take the name off the back of his jersey, would he be as a heralded prospect? You can have all those conversations all day long. What you cannot deny is the fact that him deciding to commit to the Texas Longhorns, or as I like to refer to them as the Fighting Danny Joneses, has had a huge impact in recruiting. Huge impact in recruiting. Five of the seven commits joined the Longhorns, including two blue chips on June 26th. The makeup of that group was four offensive linemen and one wide receiver. Texas also added one blue chip commitment on June 25th with the surprise addition of the touted four-star linebacker out of Hawaii. If you go all the way back to June 13th, Texas has managed to land commitments from nine recruits in the 2023 class over the span of less than two full weeks. Texas landed two tight end commitments in the last two weeks in three-star and a three-star, two three-stars. And moreover, the incredible hot stretch on the recruiting trail of late for Steve Skarsgijan and his staff has dramatically boosted the group's standing in the national class rankings. According to 247 Sports Team Composite Rankings, the 2023 Texas recruiting class now sits as number five in the nation and in the top spot in the Big 12 ahead of Texas Tech and Oklahoma. One five-star, eight four-stars. And they even flipped a TCU commitment, a stud linebacker that was supposed to go to TCU. They flipped him during this stretch as well. If the Longhorns continue this hot streak on the recruiting trail, they could surpass Clemson and Penn State to crack the top three in the national composite rankings. Unbelievable. This is what happens when you get one big guy. Oh, and by the way, another Louisiana kid is headed to Austin. Because Cokie Riley reported on this. 
Five-star Louisiana safety Derek Williams will be joining Arch Manning in at Texas. Williams is the number three safety in the country. I'm not, uh, uh, the number three safety in the country and the number 37 overall player in the country, according to 247 Sports. They're going to be a top three recruiting class. Now, once again, this is not anything to do with Arch Manning, whether or not you think he's going to transition to the next level or not, or whatever it might be. It's got nothing to do with that. But they are getting top-notch guys, and sometimes, sometimes this boils down to a domino effect. Derek Williams, of course, is right here in our backyard, by the way. Westgate High School. So Steve Scarsegian not only was able to come <clears throat> and get Arch Manning and not have him go to LSU, which is not that big of a deal. He was never going to LSU. The Mannings were never going to LSU. But not only did you get that, it has a it has a domino effect where you're flipping commits from other schools. You're getting four, five-star guys signing with you offensive linemen, a rash of them on Sunday, four of them. You get Arch Manning. You're getting wide receivers. You're doing everything. You crack the top five of national composite rankings by 247 Sports. Oh, and then you add Derek Williams Jr., who, by the way, is a five-star recruit out of the state of Louisiana. Sark knows how to recruit. He did it at USC. He had his demons that had him lose that job. He knew and was taught how to recruit even more so in the SEC by Nick Saban. It leads us to our poll question of the day. And it's a good one. Will Arch Manning's commitment help turn things around at Texas? We're already seeing it with the 2023 class. Will ultimately help turn things around and help Texas once again rise to the occasion and start becoming one of the better teams in the country in that region and not just be an Alamo Bowl participant year in and year out yes no or maybe those are your answers go vote on our poll question of the day leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter just make sure you keep it clean for the kids we got to take a timeout. we'll finalize our number one wrap it up Phone lines are open. Game hotline. Love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. I'm talking mouthwatering steak cooked to perfection. I like mine medium rare, by the way, if you ever decide to get your boy a steak. Or you can also get yourself a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, Fresh Gulf Seafood, and a casual dining atmosphere. Or... You can even win yourself a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. We're talking burgers. We're talking fries, cheese sticks. Have a great time. 
but you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Let's wrap up our number one here in RP3 and Company and talk about the latest involving the good old-fashioned LSU baseball team because they're not done. Carter Young, home run hitting star for Vanderbilt, made the announcement at 11 o'clock last night. Some of you were sleeping, as was I, that he's entered the transfer portal and he's headed to Baton Rouge. It's the second player from Vanderbilt who played for a national championship two years ago that are transferring to LSU. Now, Carter had a great 2021 season. He was a bit of a slump in 2022. Had some issues at the plate for the Commodores, or some of you like to say the Commodores. He's a junior shortstop. He announced his commitment to LSU last night. He led the Commodores in home runs with 16 back in 2021, but struggled this year at the plate, posting a 207 batting average and hitting just seven home runs. He is draft eligible, though. He joins his Vanderbilt teammate, Christian Little, who transferred back on June 24th, star pitcher. They also join Tommy White, the slugging first baseman out of NC State, who hit 27 home runs and posted a 362 batting average leading all freshmen in the NCAA in home runs, RBIs, and slugging percentage. Yeah, he's good. Jake Panetta is the shortstop from Baylor. He also plays second base. He transferred. He posted a 300 batting average last year. And then, of course, we forget about Dellen Tebrake, who the pitcher at Crichton. So transfer portal busy for Jay Johnson's team. That's going to do it for our number one. It's come to a close. Hour number two, though, oh, man, you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We're going to cover a lot. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and company here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Good start to today's show. We covered a lot of ground. Of course, I am the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III, joined by the braided one, producer extraordinaire, and a five names. Good start to today's show. Covered a lot of ground. Wes Johnson, the new LSU pitching coach, talked to media yesterday up in Minnesota. Once again, he'll be leaving the Twins this week after they wrap up their four-game set against the Cleveland Guardians, a team that's trying to chase them down in the AL Central standings. Once again, Wes Johnson, he's from Arkansas. 
has an extensive background in college baseball coaching, Dallas Baptist University, Mississippi State, Arkansas. He was a member of the Bulldogs team that won the regular season championship a few years ago. And he was on staff when Arkansas advanced all the way to the College World Series final. So his, his background is collegiate coaching. But he's now in his fourth season as the pitching coach for the Twins. They're in the first place in the Central in the American League. And he's leaving them in the middle of the season. He was emotional about it. Sonny Gray and others were emotional talking about it. It's a great opportunity for him to come back to college. And I'll say this, and James brought up a good point about, look, the grind of the Major League Baseball season. Spring training, a couple months, then 162-game season. You're away from your family. You're away from your loved ones for more than half the year. He takes comparable money. He's taking less money annually to leave the Twins to come be the LSU pitching coach. So part of that is probably weighing on him, right? You get to come and take over uh, as a pitching coach for a college program. Season's not nearly as long. You get to spend more time with your family, which is important. I've made decisions like that in my career, taking jobs for less money to spend more time with my family. So that's part of it. I would sign off on that all day long. But I also think the other big part of this is his roots are in college coaching. You come to LSU with your resume of being a coach at Dallas Baptist, Mississippi State, regular season SEC champs, Arkansas, College World Series, national runner-up. You helped the Twins to a division title. You've coached in the big leagues. If he comes to LSU and helps Jay Johnson take LSU from being a 40-win team that gets to a regional final and takes them to a super regional team or College World Series team that wins 50 games, there's going to be jobs thrown at his feet left and right. So you make comparable money. That's not including incentives. Obviously, we talked to you what his base salary is going to be. It looks like it's going to be $380,000. That's being reported on by Koki Riley, who covers LSU for the Daily Advertiser in Gannett, Louisiana. But with the incentives, you can make a lot more. More time with the family. And this sets you up to get a head coaching job at a major college. Not talking Dallas Baptist. No offense to Dallas Baptist. Talking major college job. Big 12, SEC, ACC type of job. We also talked about the brawl between April's champions and the fighting MVPs. That's the Seattle Mariners and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim County. The interim manager who's done some crazy stuff in his past is going to be suspended for 12 games. So not only do you not have your skipper, the interim skipper has now been suspended for 12 games as well for his part in Sunday's brawl in Anaheim between the Mariners and the Angels. Two teams that are below 500 and are double-digit games back of the Houston Astros in the American League West. Give me a good old-fashioned woof. This is what teams do when you're filled with chaos. 
this is what happens when you have two teams that are struggling to find leadership, struggling to find their way. They get involved in this type of stupidity. There's no other way of saying it. We can rant all day, and I have at this desk about the unwritten rules of baseball and how stupid they are. But things shouldn't escalate between two teams below 500 in a scoreless game in the second inning, for crying out loud. It's not a good look. It makes you look like buffoons. And if you look at their records, it reflects that. Be better. Be better. Just be better. It's very, very simple. And the fact that the Angels now have to have a interim interim, I guess, skipper. Woof. Woof. And, and, and this is all they can do. The Angels have no leadership. They have no front office voice. They, they look up by getting Mike Trout in and Otani, and they don't do anything with them. Mentally talented players. Otani makes people write think pieces about him being the, the incarnation of Babe Ruth. People talk about Mike Trout being a five-tool player like Mickey Mantle back in the day. That's great. They don't win. They don't win. Baseball is a team game. It's a team sport. The goal is to win games. You know what the Angels and Mariners don't do? Win. So what they have going for them is brawling on a Sunday in a scoreless game as they both struggle to be below 500. Phil Nevin gets the 12-game suspension. You get named interim manager, and less than a month later, you're suspended for 12 games. Played 12 seasons in the big leagues between 1995 and 2006. Played for the Astros, Tigers, Angels, Padres, Rangers, Cubs, and Twins. He'd previously served as a coach in Major League Baseball for the Giants and the Yankees. Nothing like being 51 years old and getting suspended 12 games for being involved in a brawl. That's got to make the family feel good. Good job, Grandpa. You're the best. Way to go out there and show them how it's done. (laughs) Oh, it's just... Oh, it's just... Come on, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? We also asked you a poll question of the day, and it's pertaining to Arch Manning. The Isidore Newman star quarterback, the five-star, nephew of Eli Payton, son of Cooper, grandson of Archie. First family of football. Last week, he made the announcement that he was committed to the University of Texas. He's going to go play for the Longhorns, hook them horns. Danny Jones, very happy. But there's been a ripple effect of his commitment. Since then, they have signed, they've gotten commitments from seven star players, multiple four star athletes, and five stars. They've picked up two blue chip prospects in the prospect in the process. They had four players sign 
or commit rather to Texas on Sunday, on a random Sunday in June, they're picking up four-star commitments. Offensive line, wide receiver, linebacker. They flipped a guy from TCU to come play for Texas. They got Westgate's star, Derek Williams, to come. He's leaving the state of Louisiana. He's heading to Austin to go play for the Longhorns. In a span of less than a week since Arch Manning's announcement that he was committed to the University of Texas football program, they have racked up on commitments on offense, defense, four stars, five stars, blue chippers, and now have a top five recruiting class by 247 Sports for the 2023 class. And some expect them to continue trending to become a top three class. Texas has not been relevant in football for quite a long time. They had that one fairly good year where they beat Oklahoma and then they beat a disinterested Georgia team in the Sugar Bowl. That was when Bevo and Uga battled it out on the sidelines before the start of the game where the steer tried to go after the dog. But that's it. They've been a mediocre program through multiple coaches. Can Arch Manning turn things around? Can his commitment help turn things around in Austin for a tradition-rich program that's filled with national titles and Heisman Trophy winners? We asked you, will Arch Manning's commitment help turn things around at Texas? 42% of you say no. 37% say maybe. 21% of you say yes. Let's get to some comments. JPK, the OD, says, no, Texas sucks. Walker Howell would be better even if his pedigree is not. Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, says, strong, maybe. They also adding pieces around him. One player doesn't turn things around by himself. It's a step. Bit being a Manning plus being at Texas, that's a double target on your back every game. I would say if he would have gone to, say, Alabama or Georgia or Ole Miss, there'd be more of a target on his back there than Texas. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I don't think that one person can make that much of a difference in football. Good morning. Dougie Fresh says, Arch in the move to the SEC. Yeah, don't forget, Texas is joining the SEC in two years. Probably less than two. Just like to point that out. Yes, they will be better, but playing the SEC West is brutal. That's by Cajun fan. I agree. I don't think we're going to see divisions, though. The The way we think of the SEC currently, East and West divisions, I believe divisions are going to go away. When Texas and Oklahoma join, which I believe they're going to join a year early, it won't be for this upcoming season, but it'll be for the 2023 season. You're not going to have divisions in the SEC. So they're not going to have to play the likes of Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M every single year. They're not. Martin on Twitter says, still not better than Alabama, so congrats on signing with the Horns Arch and good luck on finishing behind Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Florida, and LSU. And I'm the only one that thinks the kid looks like the offspring of John Elway. Look, 
Texas has been bad. I get it. But Alabama was awful too for like a decade. Embarrassing coaching, embarrassing products on the field. You get the right coach, you get the right recruits, it can turn things around. LSU had been down under Les Miles and was not doing great things under Ed Orgeron. They get one guy. They got some other recruits, but they got Joe Burrow. And then they build around him. They had the greatest team in college football history. I get it. Texas has been bad and irrelevant for a decade. Arch Manning doesn't make that. But I think Arch Manning's commitment and the fact that you're seeing Steve Scarsegian and his staff continue to build pieces around him, guys, I'm telling you, I'm surprised that he's having this domino effect, this ripple effect when it comes to recruiting. Now, Sark and his staff have to develop the talent. That's a big part of it, a huge part of it. But I'm just saying, sometimes you sign a guy, sometimes you get a commitment from a guy, and the guys that you get because of him are better than him. But you don't get them unless you get that guy. Sometimes that's how that works. I find it interesting. Do I think Texas is going to be back? I don't know. I voted maybe. Maybe. If Sark and his staff can develop them, if they continue building and building pieces, because when you watch Texas play, it doesn't seem like they have a ton of talent. But we've seen crazier things happen, haven't we? We've seen crazier things happen. You get the right coach in there, you get the right players in there, you can turn things around. There's a lot of buzz building Buzz building in Florida with Billy Napier and his staff. That program's been down and been inconsistent. Just saying. Keep an eye on things in Austin. Love those comments, though. Keep them coming. Leave them on Facebook. Leave them on Twitter for our poll question of the day. Will Arch Manning's commitment help turn things around at Texas? Yes, no, or maybe. Go vote on it. You can also give us a holler on the hotline. Game hotline's always open for you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Right now, though, we got to take a timeout. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 24... Niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a Niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston's going to take on the Seattle Mariners, April's champions, on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there in person. 
Simply register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets. That's right. You can bring three others with you, or you can be a big old boss man and just go by yourself and just lounge out with the four seats. You know, just lay down. Pretend like it's your living room. It does not matter to us. We just want to hook you up with the tickets. Four tickets, a tour of the ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, Four tickets to see Astros Mariners on Saturday, July 30th. Tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Maybe I should do that. Just one day, just buy four tickets, just go to a game and just lay out. Like, sir, you can't. I bought these tickets. I can do whatever I want. Bring me a beverage. Just, <laughs> just, just, just act as an obnoxious, obnoxious. I keep, that's not a word. Obnoxious. There we go. There we go. I'm learning baby steps. As can be. <laughs> I have a question. Not just the poll question of the day, by the way. I have a question. Jay Johnson's getting all these players to come in via the transfer portal. He's got a pitcher from Crichton. He's got the Baylor middle infielder, second baseman, shortstop. He's got a starting slugging first baseman out of NC State. And now he's got not one, but two Vanderbilt Commodores. A pitcher and a hitter who had a down year, but led the team in home runs two years ago when they finished as national runner-up. Does Jay Johnson get so aggressive that he wants to cripple all the other teams in the SEC that he somehow convinces the Vandy Whistler to get into the NCAA transfer portal? The most annoying man in the SEC. Do you put him on your side? Do you say, Vandy Whistler, listen up. It's Jay Johnson here. We're building something here in Baton Rouge, bud. We've already taken two of your players. Boom. They're on our team now. We went into Nashville and swept you for the first time ever. Why not come over to the dark side, come over to the purple and gold, relocate to Baton Rouge, and bring your annoying whistle with you to infuriate all the other teams, including your former team, the Vanderbilt Vanderbilt Commodores. Just throwing it out there. While Jay's at it, since he's poaching Vanderbilt's carcass clean, does he go ahead and try to get the most annoying fan in all of college sports to come to Baton Rouge as well. Just throwing it out there. Just do some food for thought. Just saying. He is quite annoying. And you'd have to think there's even Vanderbilt fans that believe that he's just ultra, extra annoying as well. I mean, you're sitting there at the ballpark trying to enjoy a game. Got a brewski, got a couple dogs, cheering on your college team, trying to see them win, go compete for another national title, and you got this bozo that's doing his whistle the whole game. Like, it's not as if he's performing the whistling right by the dugout of the opposing team. 
Other people are going to hear it. You're going to hear it. I don't want. I don't want to hear the Vandy Whistler. I would not be tolerating the Vandy Whistler. I'm just letting you know. There'd be a conversation that would be had. Just like there was a conversation back in the day that my brother and I had with some Texas Tech football fans at the Cotton Bowl. They were getting a little sideways. Just saying. There were children around. We had to tell them uh, how to behave. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Vandy Whistler, no. Nah. So to be sure about this, we do. we are all in agreement here that you appreciate Jay Johnson being aggressive in the NCAA transfer portal and poaching not one but two players from Vanderbilt, perennial powerhouse. But we're all on the same page of not having him bring in the Vandy Whistler via the transfer portal. We're all in agreement, yes? There we go. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. You leave them on Facebook or Twitter. Once again, will Arch Manning's commitment help turn things around at Texas? I'm a big maybe. Look, I think what they're doing there and the fact that you've had this huge ripple effect from Arch's commitment is going to give Steve Scarsesian an influx of talent. Whether or not Sark can develop said talent is a whole different story. It's a whole different story. You can't deny that they're getting talented players, not only in the state of Texas, but outside of the state of Texas. But what are they going to do with it? That's the big question mark for me. That's why maybe. No one player can change things, but we have seen in recruiting, you get one guy, other guys are like, hey, that guy's box office, I'm going to go there too. Kids are just built different these days than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. They don't care that Texas has been irrelevant. They really don't. Any of those kids that are signing on the dotted line or committing, verbally committing to go play for the Longhorns, they don't care that the Longhorns have been irrelevant for 10 years. Does not play a role whatsoever in their recruiting. Recruiting that way is just it's just not how kids are recruited anymore. You got to change your mindset from what it was 30, 20, 15 years ago to what it is now. These guys go to camps together. These guys play in seven and seven tournaments together, seven on seven tournaments. They develop relationships via through social media outlets. Okay. That means more than, oh, they won 10 games a year ago. It really does. It really does. And you've seen veteran coaches have to make that adjustment when it comes to that. I think it's a good thing that they got Arch. I think it's going to help get an influx of talent there in Austin. But we still got to figure out whether or not Sark can coach. That's one. And two, can he develop the talent that he has? That's always the case, right? There's been a lot of coaches that can recruit but can't develop. So that's why I may be here. I may be on our poll question of the day, but keep those votes coming. Let's head out to the hotline quickly. Bring on Reynolds. Reynolds, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Good morning, good morning. I tell you what, that uh, Vanderbilt whistler is annoying, but it reminds me something more annoying. Remember the South African uh, South Africa World Cup? 
when you had a million fans playing that. The, the horn? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it sounded like a million locusts buzzing in your ear. It was so loud on television. And then you'd have people that bought them and decided that they wanted to bring them into your own world, and I, I wasn't having any of that. Oh, my. Oh, it was crazy. Well, let me ask you this. So since uh, Jay Johnson's making a, a, a huge uh, change and bringing all these players off in, do you think that's an instant upgrade, and are they going to be starters next year? Ooh, it's a good question. Good question, Reynolds. Appreciate the phone call, bud. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a timeout. I will answer Reynolds' Reynolds' question about that when we come back. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. If you suffer from joint pain from arthritis or an injury, you know the traditional treatments, pain meds and steroids, and then surgery, right? Look, it's Raymond Parts III here with great news. Now there's a better way, and it's here now from the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. This is an advanced, exciting, and natural alternative that can give you lasting relief using your body's own healing power. Listen, steroid shots are toxic to your joints. Pain meds are addictive, and nobody wants to go under the knife. It's 2022, and those old ways are out, and the new ways are in. Regenerative medicine can restore and repair damaged joint tissue using the natural biologics. No drugs, no downtime, no surgery. QC Kinetics regenerative protocols can address any pain in any joint and give you quality of life you deserve. Call now and schedule your free consultation. That's 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Poll question of the day. It's about that old Arch Manning. Does his commitment help turn things around at Texas? They're having an influx of talent come in. Four stars, five stars, blue chippers ever since Arch announced his commitment last week. That includes a Westgate high star, five-star prospect as well. I don't know if Arch Manning can play at the next level. You think he can, based on how he's been groomed his whole life by his grandfather, his father, and his uncles. Can he? I don't know. Can Steve Scarsesian coach? I don't know that either. Obviously, he's doing a pretty good job recruiting. And I know he can be an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach in college. Can he be a head coach? He was early in his career at Washington. He proved he was did a good job there. And briefly at USC before his demons sidetracked his career. But can he coach? And can he bring Texas back? I don't know. Right now, 50% of you say no. 31% agree with me. You say maybe. 19% say yes. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. But right now, I want to answer Reynolds. He had a question. Jay Johnson's transfer portal. Does this make LSU exponentially better? Are they better? It's a good question. 
the, the best player of the bunch for me is the freshman of the year at NC State. That kid looks like a big leaguer to me when you see him play. The first baseman for the Wolfpack. I think he can come in playing in the ACC. I think he can come in and make an instant impact for Jay Johnson's team. Then you look at the other players. They need defense. They need someone that can be better up the middle, either at second or short. So I think the kid from Baylor can make them better in that regard. But the kid from crying the pitcher, I don't know. The level of competition he's faced, he hasn't faced that, what he's going to face. He hasn't faced that level of competition consistently in his career. Is he going to help make LSU that much better? They need pitching. So I guess in that regard, anything you can add in that category is going to make you better, right? Of the two Vanderbilt players, the pitcher is the one that I would be more excited about if I'm an LSU fan. Liddell, I think he can play. I think he can pitch. He's proven he can pitch in the SEC, so he's already familiar, right? There's going to be no adjustment there like the kid from Crichton's going to have. Or Creighton, depending on what part of the country you're from. The kid they got last night, Carter, I don't know. He led the team in home runs when they finished his national runner-up two years ago. But he was bad last year. He batted 207. That's bad. Even in a uh, even in an era of analytics where batting average doesn't matter all that much, batting 207, not optimal. So what are you going to get out of him? And you have six or seven players that are into the transfer portal. A lot of them haven't got a lot of playing time besides DiGiacomo, who got a good amount of playing time in his four years in Baton Rouge. So are they better? Mm, It's a good question. In some areas, they're going to be better, but then they're going to lose guys. Jacob Berry's probably going to be drafted fairly high. And here's the other big question mark still for Jay Johnson. I love the kid from NC State. I think that's going to be the best player of the bunch. You poach a couple guys away from Vanderbilt, a hitter and a pitcher. You get a hitter from Crichton. You go get a a middle infielder who can hit bat over 300 out of Baylor. That's all good. Mikhail Hilliard's gone. He was your best pitcher. Are either one of these guys as good as him? And you proved this last season, LSU proved, what held them back from being a super regional team and being a team to make it to the College World Series was its lack of pitching depth and its defense. Are they exponentially better this morning with the pieces they added? Maybe. I still would like to see them go get a frontline starter pitcher, though. You can't have enough starting pitching. You just can't. You just can't. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Paul, to the show. Paul, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Oh, well, morning, morning. Glorious days for a Yankee win, my fellow Yankee. <laughs> well, this man Jake. keeps calling me a fellow Yankee. I've explained <laughs> this to you, Paul. I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. Have been my whole life. Rooted for Dale Murphy as a kid. My favorite player of all time. Not changing affiliations, bud. I I don't want you to say that because, I mean, when I I did my research on the Braves from from like 1914 to 57. You know, it like took you all 43 years to win some type of championship. Then it took you all 26 years, you know, from 95 to 21. You know, I mean, that's not good. That's not good right there, you know. And you had mentioned – 
about the Yankees' drought back in the 80s. It, I mean, when I looked at everybody, I mean, it took us 18 years. You know, that was a drought for us. But when you compare it to, like, the Ugly Sox, to win they six championship, it took them 86 years. Talk about some losers. So you on the good side being a Braves fan than a Red Sox fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I noticed you was talking about joining this reward club. Is that the Yankee Reward Club? It's not the Yankee Reward Club. No, it's the, our rewards it club, like. I mean, you maniac. it's all about winning. You know, win this, win that. Oh, That's I Yankee see what you did win. there. I see what you did there, bud. I like that. I like that. <laughs> hey, uh, but that Paul, ser- serious question, though. I, I, uh-huh. I loved what I saw. Look, I'm not a I'm not a Yankees fan or Astros fan. I thought that was a great series over the weekend. It felt like a postseason series to me. It, it just felt oh. that way. Aaron yeah, Judge yeah. is making his claims to being the best hitter in baseball, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys, yeah. bullpen is superior than the Astros. But do you believe yeah. your Yankees still need to go out and get another starting pitcher to add to the rotation? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know, um, our, our pitching is not what it used to be. And I hear Foot was saying that yesterday about how pitching was really a key to the Yankees' success, which is true because we had a lot of great pitchers back in our um, days. And I look, I, I look, I hate to do this, but I will give the Cheetahs some credit. They are a tough team. They, they are, they are with threat. Out of anybody in the league, they are with threat. The and two I best really teams in baseball, Paul, are the, the two best teams in baseball. Period. Or the Astros and the Yankees. I, I, I don't yeah. think it's close. I really don't. You know, I, I wish they was on the other side so I could see them in the championship. You see what there I'm saying? Go. Instead there of seeing go. them on our way there. There you, you go. Know, they tough. I, I give them credit. I give them credit. You know, but we are distracted with the Aaron Judge, um, you know, contract. The arbitration. So that gave them a little yeah. help. Yeah, that gave them a little help. But um, they're a tough team. I give them credit. I give them kudos, you know, because we are a, a classy organization and fan base, so we know how to give credit what credit is doing, like other fan clubs like the Astros, you know. Oh, here now, it is. Here it is. Hey, I will say yeah. this. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I believe you guys need to go and get another arm. I, I do think that's going to be key. And I yeah, think Cashman will probably be aggressive enough to go get somebody uh, that's fading because this year in baseball – it, the, the top is really high, and then the bottom is really yeah. low, right? There's a huge divide this year. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to be able to uh, poach someone. Do you believe in your skipper, though? I guess that's my question. I always ask Yankee fans this. Do you <laughs> believe in Boone to get the job done? I have no choice but to believe in I've been down on him because he we always win like this, but when the postseason comes, we lose. Right. If he can't get it done this year, he got to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's fair. I uh, you know, because um, like I say, uh, it's championship or bust when you're a Yankee, or a Laker. You know, it's championship or bust. There's no, we don't hang banners for winning just season games. You know, or beating a team. It's about championships, and it's been since '09. It's time to win one, and you got a talent like Aaron Judge and Statham and so on. There's no way we're not supposed to win to have one of these one, two championships since '09. Monument no Plaza is not filled with regular season accolades. It's filled with pennants and championships, bud. Exactly, exactly. Go. Now, I do want to ask something before I let you go. All right, bud. Yesterday, they had that little Red Sox fan. I don't know if the Sox lost last night. Woohoo! Now, he came over here this mo- yesterday morning singing, We Are the Champions. No, 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 no. Nope, nope. Nope, that is a lie. The, the ugly Sox is no champion. It took him 86 years to win. They six one. So, I want to say this. He needs to sing the original song. It's called We Are the Yankees. I'll leave you off with that one. Have a good one, RP. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Paul. Have a great day, bud.
No, man, false fun. False fun. We'll say this. Look, you look at those two teams, and I've said it before. It's become abundantly clear as we wrap up the month of June. The two best teams in baseball are the Yankees and the Astros. And they're both, I believe, are going to make deals at the trade deadline as well. And whoever wins that American League Championship Series, which it looks like that's what we're you know headed for between the Yankees and the Strohs, they're going to win the World Series. They're just that much better. And that includes the Dodgers, who are a little bit weaker this year. That includes the Braves, who are making a run. That includes the Mets. Okay, I, I, I don't, as it stands right now, Heading into the 4th of July weekend, I don't believe anybody in the NL could beat the Astros or the Yankees in a seven-game series in the World Series. As it stands right now. Now, there's still plenty of baseball left, right? Still got plenty of baseball to go. And a lot can happen. Injuries can happen. Teams can add pieces. Look what the Braves did last year where they became the best team and won a World Series based on what they did in the second half of the season. So there's still a lot of baseball to be played. Make no bones about it, but... Man, that series over the weekend, I was box office. And you're going to get Yankees-Astros again this week, by the way, Thursday. Verlander, Garrett Cole, inside Minute Maid Ballpark. Two former friends and teammates going to be taking the mound for their respective teams. That's going to be great. It's great having those types of matchups. It's great when baseball... The scheduling just kind of falls where you can get those type of lineups, those type of matchups, will you, that are going to get everyone excited. It's good for the game. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two, give you the latest updates on the poll question of the day. That's all next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes. Astro tickets, concert tickets, and a slew of different gift certificates to your favorite restaurants in Acadiana. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Great sides. Desserts come out on a big three-tier golden cart. There's a cigar room, and you want your steak cooked the right way? You want to get banged for your buck when you're steak? You're tired of getting that little tiny steak? Don't worry, Mr. Lester's. They're going to cook it exactly the way you want it. A man steak for a man. Hey, in addition, you can also get yourself a $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House. Fresh Gulf seafood, casual dining atmosphere. And while you're in our clubhouse, go ahead and try to get yourself that $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Casual dining, hamburgers, sandwiches, fried cheese sticks the size of the palm of your hand. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of our game clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. No more excuses. Poll question of the day. Will Arch Manning's commitment help turn things around at Tejas? That's right, Longhorns, the fighting Danny Joneses. Will it help? In the last week since he made his announcement, since he made his commitment on social media, 
Texas has jumped all the way up into the top five of 247 sports composite rankings for the 2023 class. They've gotten a slew of four and five star blue chippers have committed, including Westgate high star Derek Williams. Maybe Arch can play at the next level. Maybe he can't. But his commitment is having a ripple effect for Steve Sarskeesian and company. Right now, 49% of you say, no, it will not help turn things around at Texas. 28% of you say, maybe. 23% say, yes. Hart has chimed in with a picture of Joe Burrow's dad doing a horns down sign. Say no more. Say no more. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we're going to kick it off with the great Gazzolo. Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press will be joining us. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Hour number three has arrived. That's right. Look, if you've already sat through two hours with the big, bald, and beautiful one and the producer extraordinaire, why not stick around for one more? Just saying. You've already put the work in. Might as well get the reward here. Got two great interviews coming up in this final hour. Ali Cassell from the Bird Rights will join us at 8.30, half an hour from right now. Recap Pelican's draft. Look ahead at NBA free agency. Get his thoughts on John Wall, Kyrie Irving decisions in the association, and so much more. That's coming up a half an hour from right now. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Arch Manning makes his commitment to the University of Texas to play for Steve Scarsesian. In the week since then, Texas has jumped up the recruiting boards all the way up now into the top five in 247 latest composite rankings they've gotten four-star offensive lineman prospects multiple of them on Sunday alone they got a five-star athlete out of Westgate High School right here in Acadiana to leave the state to go there ever since Arch made his commitment known on social media it's had a domino effect for C. Scarsesian and his coaching staff as they have gobbled up prospects left and right our poll question is Does his commitment, Arch Manning's commitment, is that going to help turn Texas around? And you can look at that as it really doesn't have anything to do with how he's going to play at a quarterback. Sometimes you get a guy just to be able to get other guys. Those other players could end up being better players. Those offensive linemen, those DBs, those wide receivers could end up being better college players than Arch Manning. So that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about Arch Manning being the one guy to help turn Texas around, but his commitment seemingly has brought an influx of talent to Austin. Will that help turn Texas around? That's our poll question of the day. Go leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. 
Speaking of things that are in flux or in transition, if you will, the Southland Conference. People are coming. They're going. They're coming back. They want to come back. They don't know if they want to come back. To help kind of clear up all the confusion is the man who covers the McNeese Cowboys and the Southland Conference for the Lake Charles American Press, our good friend, the great Gazzolo himself, Jim Gazzolo, joins us now. Jim, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine, Mr. Awards. Mr. Awards, thank you. Thank you. You just can't help yourself. (laughs) I'm speaking with greatness. Oh, stop, stop, stop with all that nonsense. All right, let's talk about greatness. (laughs) Speaking of greatness, let's talk about the Southland Conference. So, what's the latest update? That's a a bit of a reach, but okay. (laughs) What's the latest update you can tell us about the membership for the Southland Conference? Lots of activity the last few weeks in particular involving two programs that wanted to leave or did leave the Southland Conference now wanting to be back in the fold. What can you tell us? Well, Lamar is back in 2023 and officially incarnate word never left. Um, And that is probably the weirdest of all because now we're redoing football schedules. We're redoing all schedules. And it's as if they never left. Um, look, the, the, the whack changed. When Sam Houston and North New Mexico State left, the whack changed. It is no longer an FBS possibility. It is no longer a two-bit basketball league. It is basically a hybrid of the WAC or of the Southland that goes from Texas to Seattle. It makes no sense. People saw that, and I think for the first time we're seeing administrators above the athletic level really taking charge of their decisions, and I think you'll see more of it. So walk us through the process. They both wanted to leave because they saw greener pastures outside of the Southland Conference with the WAC, and they saw an opportunity to get to FBS level and have more basketball teams. Well, the WAC disintegrates in front of them because of all the conference realignment with Conference USA in the yes. Sun Belt. So now they want to come back. Why do you think the Southland Conference is okay with that? I mean, they could say, hey, you, you know what? You left. You didn't want us. Uh, we've moved well, on. Well, here's the thing. is, They couldn't say that to um, San, uh, San Antonio, current word, because they never left. They were always considered in good standing. They had mentioned they were going to leave. They never signed the paperwork. They gave them, a, in, in college terms, they gave them the verbal commitment and then reneged. Um, we see that all the time with, with kids. This time we saw it with a team in a conference. Lamar makes sense because Lamar ends up being um, another team that you can play. So, um, uh, at the end of the day, why not have Lamar come back? Why not let them be a part of the league? And, and why not um, uh, let them do all this stuff as, as if they never did leave? It's just a one-year absence, and that makes financial sense for everybody else. The interesting thing, though, is if you go back to this, the promise was not only would you have an FBS pathway for football and the FBS money, but the two uh, bids for basketball, which would bring extra money. That didn't happen anymore. So now we're left with, uh, what do you do? 
Well, you go back to where you began because it, it's cheaper to live there. <laughs> How's that? So, as it stands right now, the Southland Conference is in the process of redoing their schedules for this fall to make sure Incarnate Word is on the schedule and have them for all yeah. the sports. Lamar's not coming back this season. They're going to wait till 2023. Is that because of contractual obligations with the WAC? That is because of contracts, yes, exactly. And it was just worked out that way. Unless we have, and I'll say this again, unless we have a deal cut in the next three days. Uh, but July 1 is really the, the, the drop dead point. I don't think Lamar's coming back until 2023, um, next summer. But in this case, if you look at the schedules of the Southland, everybody was going to play one team twice. That was by design, I've been told. And the reality is they have been working on secondary schedules almost from day one. This is not something that just came up. Um, I, I know you, we, you and I have talked about this. This was always a possibility from January 1st on. Correct. The, the way they built the schedule was there, there was a fail-safe yeah. involved, right? If if they could get one of the yeah. teams to, to, to stay and, and not leave, they would simply just slide them in. So I expect the new revamped schedules to be uh, be announced soon. We're talking with Jim Gozzolo of the Lake Charles American Press. He covers McNeese Athletics as well as the Southland Conference. And we're talking about the Southland you know, reshuffling things. So as it stands right now, Jim, Incarnate Word, Southeastern, yeah. Nichols, McNeese, Northwestern State, and Houston Baptist are your six teams that will be playing in the fall for football. Lamar is going to be rejoining the conference for 2023, but that's not the end of this, is there? We still have other teams well, that Commerce, are. You forgot about Commerce. That's right. Com uh, Commerce, uh, Commerce starts playing football this fall as well. Correct. Commerce is a member starting July 1st. Uh, it's just not uh, – it's in a transition period from D2. That's correct, So, which means they won't be allowed to uh, win uh, regular season championships and play in the postseason representing the conference. It's typically how that works. I think that's still to be voted on. <laughs> oh, wow. So where else does the conference go from here? Because they're not done. There's other teams, uh, maybe some former members, like, I don't know, the University of Central Arkansas. Are, are they in the mix of coming back home? What about Stephen F. Austin? What about some other teams that haven't been part of the conference, like, I don't know, Henderson State? Where do we stand on conference expansion for the Southland? Good question. Uh, I have heard that uh, Central Arkansas is interested. Um, SFA, Stephen F. Austin, is the wild card. They will not come back with Ryan Ivey as the AD. That being said, Lamar is not coming back with the AD that took them to the WAC. The interesting thing about SFA is this. They have a new president, and he is doing an athletic audit just like Lamar did. And if he asks the same questions, because the audit is the same, why are we spending money to go to Seattle when we could drive to, I don't know, name, name of, New Orleans? That, suddenly that becomes the issue that, that somebody's going to be accountable for on the level. And Brian Ivey was the guy that pushed everybody into the whack. Just remember that. Uh, he was the leader of the charge. So this is an interesting time because I, I hear he might be looking for 
a landing spot. I keep we, we we know there's interest. You mentioned New Orleans with UNO, the privateers, about starting football there. What? How realistic is that? And what are you hearing concerning UNO being able to start a football program? That is that is going to be a vote decided by students. They are right now looking into, uh, and I believe the vote will be this year. Um, they think it'll be a five-year process. The big question is, where would they play? Um, there are some options down there, but where would they play? Do they want to play on campus? Does the league want them on campus? Uh, but yeah, there is uh, there is interest from the current administration to start football uh, or restart football, as it were. The question is, are the students willing to pay? And they seem to think the vote is going to be rather close. And if that's the case, now you've got uh, Corpus Christi is the only non-football, um, which would leave them out in the cold. I don't think you want just one non-football. Hey, Boise's in the Boise State's in the Southland. Remember that <laughs> in uh, beach volleyball. That's right, beach volleyball. What do you make of? Before, I'll say it again. Nothing says Southland Conference beach volleyball like Boise, Idaho, in January. <laughs> We're talking with Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press. He covers Meet and East. He covers the Southland Conference. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. What do you make of the job that Chris Grant has done as Southland Commissioner? He took he takes over a tumultuous time. He inherits a mess. I believe he's he's kind of navigated this extremely well, especially early on. What do you make of his job so far? Biggest winner in all this. Um He's brought two teams back from a league that was dead. He's actually brought three teams back from a league that was dead um, or dying. He's revigorated what they're doing with the um, hiring of Deputy Commissioner Roberts Ivey last week, which was kind of under the radar but very big. Did it on Title IX time. Um, wants to rebrand and upgrade how the nation looks at Southwood women's athletics, which hasn't been very good over the years. They haven't promoted it very well. This is a big step in that direction. Uh, lots of things he's done well, but can he finish the process and get them all to buy into what his vision is and what is actually his vision of uh, the future? He, they talk about the footprint and all that, but where can he take it? Will he be able to survive an FBS move of teams? Uh, is he willing to share an F, a football situation where some of his schools stay in FCS, some of them moved to an FBS hybrid football league only, which has been talked about. I mean, that those are the two couple of things that really have to kind of play out. But I think more than anything else, and I, I know I'll get heat for this, a lot of this is the league looks a lot better without the last commissioner. And that's because my understanding is a lot of people left because he never had a vision of where to go next. He would always just say, let's take the lowest line division two fruit, add it to our basket, and not really consider where we're going. Jim, I want to ask you. That's a personal opinion, though. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to wrap up our conversation by asking, uh, you about the the Cowboys, you know Gary Golf. Lots of excitement about what he's bringing to the table. Air raid offense. 
He's been recruiting hard, uh, adding guys via the portal. What can we expect to see from him this summer as they deal with the Cowboy caravan and before they report for camp? Is he still going to be active in the portal? And what pieces does this team still need to add, in your opinion? Uh, I think they need a defensive lineman. I think they could use another linebacker. Um, I think those are the two big things they would use. They could. I look. You saw them last year. They could always use talent. Uh, it was not a team that was bubbling over with athletic playmakers. So if you get one, you go grab one. But they've done a good job at doing that. They've gotten a lot. Fifteen new pieces from the portal. Uh, two, not one, but two. FBS quarterbacks to choose from. So three wide receivers that were playmakers on the Division I top level, San Diego State, Utah, and uh, Sacramento State. Uh, They also got one from Jackson State. So they have more playmakers. I think they'd like, they wouldn't mind getting another bruising running back. Um, What we're going to see this summer is a bunch of kids going crazy and trying to pick up the speed and tempo of an offense that they've never seen before. And uh, it, I don't, you know, everybody's everybody's excited. Ah, they're not going nine and two, folks. This is still a rebuild, but they're going to be more exciting. And I think that people will take because uh, it was very exciting last year. <laughs> well, bud. It's always exciting to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day and the week. Enjoy. Uh, hey, I got a question. I got a question for you. Oh, okay. Did anybody else win an award Stop. last weekend? Because you seem to have won them all. Stop. Stop. Branching over every possible media forum. Thank you, Jim. It's always a pleasure. Congratulations on that, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, bud. Hey, spend some quality all time right. with the grandbaby, man. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, yes. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, man. We got to take a timeout. Hotline is open. If you want to get your phone calls in, feel free. Give us a holler. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, Four tickets, tour the ballpark, and a hotel accommodation to see Astros take on the Mariners. That's right. World Series contender versus April champion. It's going to go down, and we want you to be there. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher 
AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's about the Arch Manning commitment. It has had a ripple effect for the University of Texas football program, bagging the Isidore Newman star in the last week. They've piled up four- and five-star recruits, blue-chip prospects, both in Texas and here in Louisiana and other states. They now currently have one of the top five recruiting classes for 2023. Will his commitment help turn things around at Texas? 49% of you say no. 28% say maybe. 23% say yes. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on our poll question of the day. But right now, it's time for us to head out to the hotline. Welcome on Brent to the show. Brent, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? How you doing? First of all, i got to tell you, um, that, that article you wrote for the LHWE, that was a very good article by Mr. Foreman. I oh. like the way that was a nice article. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. And, and I want to say, um, what do you think about the Astros when they get those two pitchers back, the one that never pitched yet? They'll have seven starters. And I think what you were saying earlier that they're going to try to pick up something. Or, but I think one of them seven pitches might get traded. What do you think about that? Brent, I appreciate the phone call, brother. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I'll answer your question uh, here right. in a second. I, I don't think they're going to trade anyone. What I think is going to happen is you're going to see one of those guys that's been part of this five-deep, six-deep rotation – get moved to the bullpen for the postseason. You know, I, I say they need a, a, a lefty in the pen, and I think they're going to be aggressive and go get themselves one. But, look, they still have Jake Odorizzi to come back. He's making great progress. Lance McCullers Jr. making great progress, right? You're going to have an abundance of starting pitching. Now, you could probably put Odorizzi in the pen. He could eat up some middle innings for you in case one of your starters has a rough outing. You bring in Jake, let him pitch three innings. Not to mention the best AAA pitcher on the planet is still waiting to come up. So could they maybe move on from one of those guys and get something else in return? Yeah, but I don't see the Astros doing that, Brent, giving up one of their quality arms because you can't have enough. Their depth has helped them become one of the best teams in the big leagues this year, and that's losing two guys to injury. What if they didn't have that depth? Would they still be where they're at right now? Probably not. So I think they're going to be greedy and try to keep as much as that starting pitching as possible, as much as they can. And I think one or two of those guys could see themselves transition to a bullpen role, especially for the postseason. They're going to have guys that aren't going to be able to make the postseason roster as a pitcher they're just there's only going to be so many spots but that's a good problem to have if you're Houston Astros could they move on from one of those guys maybe but man if they get Odorizzi and McCullers McCullers is going to be a starter Odorizzi I could see them moving him to a transitional role a guy that could be once he comes back he could be a spot starter but also eat up innings coming out of the pen I could see him being in that role but they have so much quality starting pitching, but they still need a lefty out of the bullpen for sure. Appreciate the phone call, Brent. Thank you so much for that. Don't forget Astros back on the airwaves. They took yesterday off. They're going to wrap up their New York road trip by starting 
two games against the Mets. First one's going to be tonight. And, of course, you can listen to it live here on The Game. The Game Game. Get it with the game. 6-10 first pitch. 6-10 first pitch from Queens. What they used to call City Field, but I don't think they call it anymore. I'll have to look it up. You know, the Mets have a big giant apple in their outfield. Because you know the big apple. Did you know, fun fact, Chipper Jones, which is one of my favorite Braves of all time, we just call him Larry because that's his God-given name. Oh, Chipper, MVP, World Series champion for the Braves. He did so well against the Mets at Old Shea Stadium that he named his son Shea. True story. He did so well in his illustrious Hall of Fame career, the great switch-hitting third baseman for the Atlanta Braves, that he named one of his sons Shea after Shea Stadium. That is another level of shade towards a division rival. And dang it, I'm here for it. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, We're going to put a bow on the NBA draft. Look ahead to NBA free agency. Already some moves being made. Kyrie Irving opting in. I'm sure Brooklyn Nets are thrilled about that. John Wall deciding, hey, I'm going to sign with the Clippers and go get hurt in Los Angeles. We'll talk about that and so much more with Ali Cassell, the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Pierre the Pelican and the King Cake Baby consider him a close personal friend. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Or at least a Facebook friend or MySpace friend. Is MySpace still a thing? I wonder what Tom is up to these days. He's desperate. He'd sleep with a meat grinder. Time for some more friendly Pelicans talk on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Get to know the game. It's been a few weeks since we posted one of those bad boys where we reveal something about ourselves. The fine folks here at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We've talked about our first car, our first celebrity crush, first sporting event, that type of stuff. Well, in honor of us celebrating our 10th birthday last week, we got a new article up at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. It'll be posted shortly. It's about what was your favorite, your absolute favorite birthday. Just makes sense, right? Got a lot of great selections here. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names says it had to be her ninth. She got to sing Love Shack with some big buck teeth. There was a red chocolate phone, the first phone she ever had. Some great stuff there. Matt Meagas says favorite birthday would have to be a 16th. Had a party with a bunch of my friends. I got my first car as a birthday present. Although it was a grandma car and 05 Chrysler Sebring. I felt pretty important just getting to drive myself places. Absolutely. Mine just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, was my 36th. 36th birthday. And it had nothing to do with a party or great gifts. 
That was my birthday with our daughter, Hattie, the first birthday with my daughter, Hattie. She was supposed to be born on my birthday on September 13th, but she arrived a few days earlier on September 10th. So we were told that we couldn't have kiddos. We received our blessing, which was our daughter, and she arrived just in time for my birthday. So without a doubt, the best present I ever received was our baby girl. So yeah. So go check it out. It'll be posted here in the next few minutes. It's the latest get to know the game. What was your favorite birthday? But right now it's time for us to bring on our final guest on today's episode of RP3 and Company. He is the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He covers the Pelicans. He covers the Association. It's our good friend Ollie Cassell joins us now. Ollie, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Raymond. Doing well. The sun's not out, so that means we're not going to be sweltering in 100-degree heat. <laughs> <laughs> but the great thing about living in Louisiana is, yes, it's either 110 degrees in humidity at 5,000% or it's storming. There's no in-between from the months of May to October. No, we signed up for this, but hey, looking <laughs> yes, yes, forward to did. the winter months like we always do. Yes, we did. We did sign up for this. You're absolutely correct. All right, bud. Give me your thoughts now that some time has passed. How do you believe David Griffin and company did with the NBA draft? Yeah, I'm not a big proponent of grades, especially until you start seeing a product on the court. But I'll tell you what, by the looks of it, it looks like the Pelicans got everything they wanted and more and a bonus because they drafted Dyson Daniels, who I know was one of their top selections. And the thought was, you know, a couple weeks or so ahead of the draft that he wouldn't be sitting there at eight. People thought that he was going to go, you know, maybe six, maybe seven. Wouldn't fall past Portland, but he did. They ended up taking shade and sharp. So the Pels got their guy. He's going to be able to help on the perimeter um, defensively, right? The versatility. Herb Jones isn't going to be asked to guard the entire opposing team anymore. And the thought is, you know, Dyson's going to be a good playmaker. He's going to be able to push it in transition for them for sure. It's just going to be whether his shot comes around, right? He started shooting better towards the end of his G League career. I think he made about 45% last nine games because his shot's not broken, Raymond. It looks pretty good. And you got to think if he gets in that lab with Fred Vinson, it's going to get even that much better. So he's going to be a guy that's going to be pushing for almost starters minutes, I think, on this team. Not maybe right away, right? He's got to learn the league. But defensively, I think he's there. He can already step in. But the real coup seems like it was EJ Little, right? This guy out of Ohio State um, was supposed to go about, what, top 20, top 25 in the draft, and he didn't. He fell all the way down to 41 in the second round. And the Pelicans, I know, weren't expecting it, but they were happy as heck that he did. Now, suddenly, they almost have a good problem. They've got to find space for him on the roster because I've got to think. He's not going to get signed to a two-way contract. He's probably going to get a real contract. But right now, as it stands with Dyson Daniels, Daniels took the 15th spot. So right now, Liddell's 16th. So you either what? You either got to wave. I'm sure we'll go through it. You either got to wave Temple or make some uneven trades where you open up a roster spot now. That was going to lead me to my next question because the young man out of Ohio State seems to fit exactly in what Willie Green would like to do, right? He seems like that's a guy that can buy into the culture and, and does what Willie has as his vision for this team. So that's going to leave a couple guys out in the cold, so to speak, with these musical chairs. Give me your guys that the Pelicans are going to be parting ways with, either by cutting them or trading them just to dump their contract. Yeah, you've got to think the four guys that are sitting in danger of not being on the team is, of course, Devontae Graham, 
He's already been rumored to be on a trade block. Jackson Hayes hasn't performed well. His name's been on a trade block before over the past year. Garrett Temple, who completely fell out of the rotation, who's better in presence, doesn't seem necessary as a player anymore. And he's going to be going into his, you know, he's got two more years on his deal, but he's only guaranteed this season. So that's a very movable contract. If not, you can just wave him. And honestly, the fourth guy might now be Kyra Lewis, right? I mean, he was coming kind of in his own before the injury, but now that they've drafted Dyson Daniels, they've already got Jose Alvarado. You know, you've kind of got enough small guards, especially if Devontae Graham stays, that Kyra seems very expendable. So I expect probably at least two of those names to be elsewhere. Um, maybe not at the start of the season, but by the trade deadline. So at least one of them's got to go, right? Just to open up Liddell, a space for him to get a real NBA contract. So how do you think they package those guys? I mean, because a lot of teams will take on those contracts just to, to have them expire or just to, to do a salary dump and whatnot. Are they going to have to package some of those second-round picks that they have stockpiled over the last couple of years and be able to ship these guys out with those? Yeah, potentially. I mean, David Griffin could definitely go the same route he went last summer, right, where he uh, attached – valuable assets right it wasn't just second rounders but it was first with uh adams and of course bledsoe going out and then of course valentinus coming in i just don't think he's going to feel that same amount of pressure of doing something similar right to get off of these guys that we just mentioned i think more likely another team's going to have to show some interest whether it's in jackson or Devonte, because like i said with garrett you could just flat out wave him you can just go ahead and eat that five million dollars um, yeah, and I know the Pelicans are really close to that luxury tax line, so it would be much better if you could just trade him so you can keep that space. But I don't think they're going to be as pressed. So I, like I said, I don't think Griff's going to be looking just to un, 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 unload these guys and just basically dish out an asset or two. I don't think he's there anymore. So whether that results in a trade, because, look, guards that can shoot are always necessary around the league. And I know Devontae had a down year, but look at his previous two years. He was a very good catch-and-shoot shooter, which he was last year, but his pull-up shooting ability disappeared with the Pelicans. Also, his playmaking, getting to the rim, which was kind of small to begin with, but it completely vanished. So he's due for a rebound here. Maybe somebody gets attracted to that. And with Jackson, you know, he's still a rookie. You see the glimpses, right, the highlights, the dunks, the blocks. So maybe some teams think, hey, maybe we can develop this guy into being something legitimate. Because I don't think on the Pelicans he's going to get that opportunity anymore. Talking with Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. When is the deadline to get the deal done with Zion, and how much you think it's going to cost the Pels? Well, it's going to be the max, as we've talked about on your show, right? He's going to get 185 or whatever exactly the max is over five years. The thing is, he's going to have to earn it, right? He's going to have to be on the court enough. Now, who knows as to how many games they're going to make him play before he sees that full allotment, maybe minutes. I don't know, maybe both. He'll have two benchmarks to me, but either way, there's going to be something there, but that deal is going to get done right away. Right. Um, free HC starts right on the 30th at 6 PM, I believe Eastern time. So right after that bell goes off, I expect Woj or Shams to be tweeting out. He's agreed to a contract extension, which is going to be good news for everybody, right? We can move on. Zion can concentrate on basketball, which he's been doing. But that'll definitely be behind us. We'll have to worry about all these New York rumors or whatever people try and make up out there. 
All right, let's move on from the Pelicans and let's talk about some of the, the action that's already occurred in the NBA. Kyrie Irving opts in. He's going to get paid, what, nearly $40 million to play for Brooklyn. It sure did seem like the Nets weren't thrilled about him coming back. They allowed him to go seek a sign-and-trade, and no one wanted him, right? I mean, that that's what it basically boils down to is that no one wanted to sign-and-trade Kyrie Irving or – the only team that did were the Lakers, and they didn't have the assets to pull it off. Correct? Right. Um, that would have been his only landing spot, it seems like, because he gave a list of, you know, what was it, five, six teams that he'd be happy going to. But that's almost laughable. One, that he's issuing demands after not playing, right, barely in a Brooklyn uniform. First year, barely played. Second year, okay, he played like 50-some-odd games, but he still skipped a week. And then, of course, last year, everybody knows the story. Second thing is, not only has he not played nearly enough games to earn that kind of, you know, carry his weight around and people are going to meet his demands, teams, is the simple fact that the teams he chose, they don't have the assets or the roster space, right, the cap space to fit him in. I mean, he's, he's going to ask for $40 million wherever he goes next. He thinks of himself as a max player. But I think for the Nets, this is honestly the best-case scenario, outside of course landing and getting like a great trade value in return, is the fact that he opted in. Because they, the biggest thing for them, Raymond, is they didn't want to sign him to a long-term deal, right? He's he's seeking max years on his next deal. And I'm sure the Nets probably didn't want to go probably more than two, maybe three. Of course, reasonably, because he had he doesn't play, right? They want to get a team that's on the court competing. And let's face it, Irving hasn't been there for him. But by signing him or him picking up this option, that allows him now not to worry about Kevin Durant for this year. So maybe they can play well. Maybe they can bond. Maybe Kyrie gets past those problems and proves that he's worthy of another deal from them. I mean, that seems like the best-case scenario for Brooklyn because moving him, just thinking about moving him for equal trade return value, it just doesn't exist right now. Yeah, but we keep saying, hey, this is going to be the spot where things are going to turn around and Kyrie's going to work with other teammates and another team. And uh, you you eventually yeah. get to the point where you get – you, you gotta have to say eh, it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna work out. Uh, let me ask you this: John Wall has already indicated, uh, and John, who's made a ton of money the last three years by not playing, is going to be signing with the Clippers. What do you make of that move, and do you think it's a good fit? If, of course, John Wall's healthy, I do think it's a good fit. The Clippers need a point guard. They need to kick the tires on somebody. I mean, they were even rumored on you know looking into Eric Bledsoe last season when he was coming off at his worst season so shows you kind of their desperation I mean Reggie Jackson he's a good player but he's just not a point guard John Wall you know because he's going to have a lot of weapons out there right Paul George that'll lessen his burden first of all same thing with Kawhi Leonard but the fact that he can kick out to them and you've got Norman Powell I think they're going to try and get Robert Covington um, they've got a lot of options out there so they just need a guy that can handle it push this modern pace. And, you know, John Wall was one of the fastest players for years and one of the most electrifying too, right? So if he's got anything left in the tank at all, I think he's going to help him. And like I said, it seems like a good fit because they've been needing a point guard for several years. John Wall needs a new home and to prove himself. The Knicks trade away their lottery pick and they also trade away Kimball Walker to free up all this salary cap space. I guess go after Brunson I guess that's their play what are the Knicks doing Uh, I always have to ask this question it seems like the last 20 years 
But, but what's the Knicks plan here? And is Brunson the missing piece for New York? He's not the missing piece, but he's one of the players that I'm sure is in their target size for the next few years, right? And it does sound like it's going to happen. From what I was reading and hearing this morning, it sounds like now it's more likely than not that Jalen Brunson's going to become a Nick rather than staying with the Mavericks. And um, it makes sense, right? He, he uh, His dad's an assistant coach up in New York. He wants supposedly, you know, have his own role where he's the dominant ball handler. Even though I don't think he minded playing with Luca, the fact is he his usage got drained up whenever he was sharing the court with a guy. And like I said, Jalen seems like the type of guy who wants to be, you know, the man in charge running the offense full time. So New York will give him that opportunity. But you're right. I don't see this moving the needle that much for New York at all. I mean, they still are stuck with, you know, kind of a, a roster that just doesn't make sense, right? Julius Randle's coming off of a very bad year, let's face it. Um, RJ Barrett's probably their next best hope, but you know, his development has been kind of spotty and he's not an all-star yet. So it's a place where careers go to die. Ollie, it's been that way for 20 years. So I get it. He's going to get paid. He gets to be the man in New York, but if you don't win in New York, they will eat you up. They will eat you up. They will come after you with everything they got, the fans and the media. So I, I, I hope he knows what he's signing up for. Yeah, I do too. But I'm like I said, I don't think this is it. They're going to now keep pursuing more free agents, right? Whether through trade or or through uh, free agency down the road. But you're right. For this upcoming year, it sounds like the plan is exclusively Jalen Brunson, and that's that's a scary thought, right? On what they're probably going to do in the records and the standings. I mean, and that's not going to be enough. And they're going to be mad that Jalen's getting what thirty million plus. Yeah, it's it's going to oh. be uneasy. He's going to have a difficult situation, I think. Real quickly, I got about 35 seconds. Who do you like better with their rebuilding, massive rebuilding project the last two years? Is it the Rockets or is it the Thunder? Because I like what both have done specifically with the draft. But who do you think is doing a better job of their massive rebuild? I hate to say it. I think it's the Rockets. I like what OKC's done, but I'm not sure if it's going to translate into winning. Right? They're selecting prototypical, these long, skilled players. But – Look at Poku last year, right? He couldn't break through and even become a starter earning consistent minutes. And that's who they drafted pretty much this year. People have high hopes for Shet Holmgren. But beyond him, as many Dieng and uh, Jalen Williams, the guys select 11th and 12th in this draft, I, I'm not certain that they're going to be viable, good rotation pieces even on a, you know, on a championship or on a playoff contender, right? They have so much more to go. They seem like a year away from being a year away type of player. So it's a giant project in OKC. As to where Houston, Jalen Green, we saw the way he finished last year. Explosive. He's a killer. And I love, you know, Jabari Smith. So it seems to me they've got more substance in Houston to where you can kind of count on what you're going to get in the near future as to where OKC is just a giant toss up to me. Ollie, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have fun with the pup. Yeah, at least she's leaving me alone right now. (laughs) Thank you, Ollie. Take care, Raymond. Earlier, we had Jim Gazzolo with the grandbaby. Just now, we had Ollie Cassell with the pup. I'm here for it. It's a family-friendly show. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
I want to take a moment to thank our guests for making this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. Jim Gozzolo, the great one from the Lake Charles American Press, covers McNeese and the Southland Conference. Appreciate his time. And, of course, our friend Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, joining us talking all things New Orleans Pelicans and the NBA. Our poll question of the day, will Arch Manning's commitment help turn things around at Texas? Final results, 48% of you say no. 27% say maybe. 25% say yes. I want to thank all of you who voted on the poll question of the day and commented on the poll question of the day. And shout out to all of our great callers today. We had James, we had Reynolds, we had Paul, and we had Brent. Good phone calls today, guys. Appreciate you. Woo. It's going to do it for today's show. We made it. We made it. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parch, third better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.